we got a different direction we're going today than I had planned, so I cut like most of the slides, and I don't really know. But there's a lot of stuff going around on the inside of me, so I need help this morning, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you uh, for showing up here today. I, I just ask you to help my inability to communicate and, and get out what you got rolling around on the inside of me in a way that uh, we can understand it and get a hold of it. Father, I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge, you and your word, and lighten the eyes of our understanding. Father, if I mess it up in the saying, I thank you for fixing it in the hearing before it gets downrange. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, back to the basics, part 25, faith, part 10. And we are starting off here still, Romans 4 and verse 16. Romans 4 and 16, because what we're talking about is how to make the jump from weak faith to strong faith. Because I want my faith to work every time. Every time I tell them out and move, I want to see it move. I don't want to be, you know, like, well, how come it didn't work? All right, so here we go in verse 16 of uh, Romans 4. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Say, that's me. Now this next part isn't you because it says not only to them which is of the law, but also to them which is of the faith of Abraham. That's us. Not the law, but faith. Who is the father of us all. Now as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God. And he says two things about God. He quickens the dead or makes the dead alive. And he calls those things that be not as though they were. Then back to Abraham, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. Say, Rhema. So shall thy seed be. See, Abraham just didn't just dream up, I'm going to be the father of many nations. I know I keep saying that. But we've been taught that we could just make up something and then go put our faith out there for it. And then when it doesn't work, we wonder how come God didn't show up. Abraham didn't just, man, he was having enough hard time just believing that he'd have one baby, let alone be the father of many nations. Right? Well, so I guess the, the thing that I want you to know about that is God's plan for you is bigger than your plan for you. Or whatever little thing you thought up that seems big to you, to God, that's like nothing. I mean, you know, like one baby compared to father of many nations. I, I mean, it's just so off the chart, it's ridiculous. Like, you can't even compare the two. You, you see what I'm saying? So it's better to go with whatever God said anyway. But let's wait to hear what he says before we start trying to hook up our faith with something. Okay? All right, so it says in uh, verse 19, it says, And he, not being weak in faith, considered not his own body now dead when he was a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that that what was promised to him, God was able to perform. Now, remember we saw in Genesis 17 that he was still weak in faith all the way after 24 years because he's laughing and saying, How shall a baby be born to someone who's a hundred years old? And right here in this verse it said he didn't even consider that he was 100. Well, we know somebody's lying, right? No, what happened was God forgot about the part that he was in weak faith for those 24 years. As soon as he got in strong faith, God don't even remember you were weak in faith. He wipes the slate clean like that that ever even happened. That's huge. Because for 24 years, Abraham was in weak faith. For about five minutes, he was in strong faith. And once he got into strong faith, he got the promise. And God didn't even remember all the 24 years that he was in weak faith. That's huge. Because hell would be like, yeah, see, you were weak in faith those 24 years. Yeah, well, God don't remember that. It's like it never happened. Okay, so remember we saw the thing that made Abraham jump from weak faith to strong faith was when he, when he circumcised himself and he got on God's agenda. He was on God's plan. Or holiness. He was a patriot at that point. He wasn't trying to work it out on his own. See, this will keep you in weak faith. Is that you trying to work it. Remember we went to Hagar? In fact, it wasn't just him, Sarah. Sarah, oh, baby, go ahead. He had permission to go to Hagar's tent. He took her up on it, but how do you know that's, that's kept him in weak faith? Just because it sounded like a good idea, or it might, yeah, that's a good way to work. Oh, I could see how that would work. Kept him in weak faith. All right, so go to Romans 2, go to the next one. And we saw this, Romans 2 and verse 29. Paul says, says, But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. So this is how we get into holiness. We circumcise the heart. We don't have to do that circumcision Abraham did. Hallelujah. But we just got to circumcise our heart, which could also be, you know, painful. Because you got to cut away, you know, whatever your idea was. And you know it was a good idea because you had it. Wasn't it a good, if you thought it up, wasn't it a good idea? Man, the ideas that I come up with, they're fantastic. Come on. You'd be like, no, I don't know. No, I'm not, just think of your idea, the one that you thought up. You know it was a good one. Oh, that's good. What did Bugs Bunny used to say? I'm so smart, I scare myself. 
right? <laughs> okay. Well, so we've got to get rid of that. He said, but uh, you're, an, you're a Jew inwardly if you circumcised your heart. He said, in the spirit, not the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. And then right into verse, uh, Romans 3, verse 1, he said, what advantage is there to be a Jew? So what's the advantage of circumcising your heart? What's the advantage of going with God's plan and not your plan? Doing God's agenda and not your agenda. Or we'll use the religious term. Doing God's will and not your will. I don't even like using that word because, oh, if it's God's will. No, it's God's agenda will do it, okay? I try to take the religious you know, thing out of it. But it's really God's will or your will. God's agenda, your agenda. It's the same thing. What's the profit? Is there a profit of circumcision? He said, yes, much chiefly in every way. Because they were committed. The people that circumcised their heart, they were committed to the oracles or the rhema of God. Committed to it. See, when Abraham circumcised he was committed. He wasn't just involved. Right? He was involved for 24 years, then he circumcised himself. Now, how do you know that's commitment? You can't go back. When you take out the flint knife and start sawing. Right? I mean, yeah, okay. So we, we, we talked about that, being committed and not involved. He said, for what if some didn't believe that? What if some didn't, right, get committed? And really the truth is the vast majority of people don't get committed. They get involved with the rhema, and they're like Abraham for 24 years trying to work out getting the promise and trying to work this out and work that out, and it never really happens for them. And then be like, well, God didn't show up. He said, well, what if that did happen? He said, does that make, does their unbelief, because really it is unbelief, because if you didn't get committed, how many know Abraham had to believe it in order to circumcise himself? I mean, I really got to believe something to pull out the pocket knife. Same thing with my dreams. If my dreams are my ideas, I better really believe that God's got a better plan. Otherwise, I'm going with mine. He said, well, what if somebody didn't do that? Will their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Let God be true and every man be a liar. As it is written, that you would be justified in your sayings, the words out of your mouth, and you would overcome when you're judged. Now, go to the next one for me. So this is what we've been talking about. It said God hadn't called us to uncleanness or being involved, but unto holiness, which is being committed. I mean, no, there's a even if you make the cut where where you you know you get in the covenant and then you're on you you, you, you try to do God's plan, but you really you don't go fully committed. You're just like I'm trying. You put your best foot forward, but you keep your other foot back. Right? And so you're involved in God's plan, but you're also, you know, involved in your own stuff. That, that's unclean, because it's on, you know, you're cut, you're, it's like, uh, remember I talked about the hamburger with the breadcrumbs in it? The chicken salad the other day looked like coleslaw. Jenny's out having lunch. He said, that chicken salad looks like it's mostly coleslaw. I said, it's unclean. They cut the chicken salad with cabbage, you know. And so we started laughing, but that's, you know, that's what we do with our lives, right? We mix in cabbage with the chicken salad, right? And probably more cabbage than chicken. Right, and then we'll try and, we really should call it like, you know, coleslaw with chicken in it, not chicken salad. Right, but that's what we do with our lives. See, that's unclean though, we were just involved and we're not committed. Now, this is the last one I think I got here. Okay, so in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 16, I just want to give you another scripture where it says, circumcise your heart. It says this, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked, and in the Hebrew it says stiff-necked and dense. Yeah, I'm like, all right, that's talking right to me. All right, I get it, God. You know, because I'll be like, well, I'm not stiff-necked. No, but you're dense. Okay, so if you're being dense about God's plan and his rhema for you, then you need to circumcise your heart. He said, for the Lord your God is a God of gods. He's the top one. He's a Lord of lords and a great God and a mighty and terrible God, which regards not or doesn't respect persons. He don't care what your status is in life. And guess what? He don't take bribes. Neither does he take reward. So you can't cut a deal with him. You know, when it hits the fan, you'll be like, well, God, if you get me out of this one, then I'll do right. Nah, don't worry with him. He says, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Quit being dense. All right, so here's the last one. Go ahead, Emma. Now, how, how do I circumcise my heart? Don't you want to know how? Because this is an operation. I mean, you know, give me a, a, a manual, something. And then we talked about this before, about the highway of holiness. Let's look at that, and that'll be kind of our jumping off, because I don't really know... I do, but not where we're going from here. And that's Isaiah 35. And I think I got cut off the rest of them, Emily, because we're not going where I was going. So, uh, anyway, Isaiah 35 and verse 8. It says, this is a highway of holiness. It says, there's a highway that shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. Now look at the very next thing says this, what? The unclean shall not pass over it. 
So you can't even get on this highway if you're just going to be involved. That's what happened with Abraham. He couldn't even find the on-ramp to strong faith while he was just involved with the ramp, doing it his own self, you know, trying to work out the deal. He said, the unclean, you can't even get on it. I guess so the toll to get on the highway, to get on the on-ramp, is, you know, being committed. Circumcising your heart. He said, and it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, you look like fools to everybody. He said, but you shall not err therein. And the Hebrew says, you shall not stagger. But, and that, that's what Abraham, when he had strong faith, he didn't stagger at the promise. When you're committed, you don't stagger. You don't doubt. You don't waver. Think about something that you're committed to. It doesn't matter what happens. If you're committed to it, it don't matter what happens. Let's say Oreos. If you're committed to some Oreos, and if you don't have any Oreos, but you're committed to eating some Oreos, you'll get in a car and drive to the store and find some Oreos. Remember one time when I was at the sheriff's office? I, you know, uh, potato chips was my thing. I love potato chips. I was just, I'm having a bag of chips tonight. It was, yeah, I'm having a whole bag of chips. This is when I was younger and I could eat a whole bag. Well, you know, it's like midnight. You know, it's like towards the end of the shift, getting off, but I'm, you know, man, I want some potato chips. Hey, you know, they don't really have any down at the Sphinx. Not that you want, right? I went all over the county trying to find a grocery store that was open after midnight so I could get a bag and it was, the, you know, the kind you want. It was the, like the Lay's with the ripples and, you know. I was committed to getting a bag of chips and nothing was going to stop me. See, we're committed to stuff that we want and, and nothing will stand in our way. But that's what you've got to do and be committed to God's agenda and let nothing stand in your way. It don't matter what's closed. It don't matter. No. So remember when we said that without faith it's impossible to please God? But He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek and them that crave Him. So when you crave Him like I was craving potato chips, yes, I do have a craving occasion. When you crave that and you go after them, nothing stop you. I'm like, you know, you ain't, no, it doesn't matter what's blocking. No, that's, that's what gets you onto the highway of holiness. When you're committed, it doesn't matter. You want it, I'm getting it. You ever been like that with anything in life? That's how we've got to be with God's agenda. Okay? Now, remember in Matthew 7, I guess we'll just flick over there. We saw this. Matthew 7 and verse 13. This is Jesus talking. He said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many that go in there. A lot of, a lot of folks get to that one. He said, but what in verse 14? But straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leads unto life, or Zoe, that's the life of God. Few there be that find that one. Alright? Okay. So now we've got this highway of holiness. We know that only few people find it. And I know that that's what's going to get me into strong faith. You're telling me, circumcise my heart. How do we do that? Because I need to know how to get on the on-ramp. Because if I don't, this is nothing but theory. And I, I don't really care about theory. To be honest, unless I can apply it in my life and it does something for me, that's nice. We could talk about it at lunch sometime when we're just goofing off and we have nothing better to do. But if it's not going to help me any, I don't really want to know about it, to be honest with you. All right. So go to Matthew or Mark 1, I'm sorry. We're off to the races. Here we go. Uncharted territory. Mark 1, we'll start, I guess, in verse 12. It said, And immediately the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, and He was there for 40 days, tempted of Satan, which was with wild beasts. Now, it wasn't just bad enough Satan's there. He's with wild beasts. right? But the angels did show up and they ministered to Him. Thank God for the angels. And verse 14, now he comes back and John the Baptist gets thrown in prison. So it says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now you remember Matthew 6.33 where we started this whole thing? But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Okay, now, now Jesus is going to start. He's starting to preach the kingdom of God. And he's saying in verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, I don't want to jump past that, but you get the kingdom of God until that very point where He said that. Remember when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God? It wouldn't even exist on the planet until the time He showed up and He said, now the time is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Before that, there was no kingdom of God on the planet. Remember, uh, hold your finger right there and go over to uh, Luke chapter 4. 
Because we said Jesus was just tempted of uh, Satan in the wilderness. Y'all probably already know this, but I want to let your uh, eyes rest on it so you know I'm not making it up. Luke 4 and verse 5. And uh, here's the devil. He said, And the devil, taking Jesus up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power, all this authority, I'll give unto you in the glory of them. For what is delivered unto me, I give it to whomsoever I will. Now, could the kingdom, he showed him all the kingdoms that were on the world at that time. Now, Jesus didn't say the kingdom is at hand until he came out of the desert. But we just read that. The kingdom of God didn't exist on this planet because Satan had all of them. Isn't that what he just said? Adam deli- the, the last time the kingdom of God was on the planet was when Adam was in the garden before he ate fruit salad. Do you know what king, kingdom is just short for king's domain? King's dominion? There's like a, well, that's one of those little parks up in D.C., you know, one of the Six Flags deals. King's domain. A kingdom. The domain of the king. That means where he is, that's sovereign. The king, what the king says, that's what goes. Or the will of the king, or the king's agenda is accomplished in the kingdom. You found that? Mm-hmm. Kingdom of God is now at hand. Nobody was under that king's domain between the time Adam, you know, ate fruit salad and the time Jesus showed up and said, hey, guess what? The kingdom of God is now here. Seek that. Try, seek to get in the kingdom. Wouldn't you want to get in that kingdom? where what God? Because you know what God wants for you. He wants riches, honor, and life. That's his agenda for you. Wouldn't you want to be inside that domain? Mm-hmm. Well, how are you going to get in that domain? Because we live in all the kingdoms of the world, too. This is the ones we live in, naturally. How do we get out of this one and get into that one? Because I want to do where God, because God's a much better king than any president or king we got here. Amen. How do I get in that one? Look what he says back in Mark 1, 15. Time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So how, and that word believe in the Greek is the word to have faith. So in order to have faith, you've got to do what first? No, that's believing. It's the first thing that you've got to do. Before you can believe, before you can have faith, the very first thing you've got to do is what? Jesus just said it. Repent. But see now, what do we think about repenting? We've got religious ideas. You know it ain't what you think it is. I wouldn't have brought it up if it was what you thought it was, didn't it? Would I? No, but we think, oh, you know, I'm just so sorry that, I, right? Isn't that what we kind of think of what repentance is? Oh, you know, I'm just sorry I did that. Oh, Jesus, help me. I'm so sorry. I got caught. I'm sorry. That's, that ain't repentance. The word repent in the Greek is metanoeo, which is a, it's a military term. This, Jesus was yelling out a military command. When I was in boot camp, you know, we did close order drill. You ever seen that, the drill team? You know, and you never seen that where they drill and, at parades and they're all marching in step? Right? And well, there's one guy driving that, and he's the, he's the drill instructor, and he'll give him left, right, left, right. You ever hear that? Mm-hmm. And, and so, in the middle of that command. Now, when I was in boot camp, they'd mess with your head because they don't want you to do anything until they tell you. Right? You only listen to the drill instructor. So he, he'd march you, like, into a wall and see if you stop. Right? No, stop. He'll let you run into the wall to see if you're really being serious that you listen to him. But at the last second, he would yell out, this word repent, and in the English it's to the rear march. So here's what Jesus said. You want to get in the kingdom? To the rear march. I just repented. What did I do? I turned around. I changed directions. I went back the other way. See, before you can believe anything, and really, you've got you to do this. This is what circumcising your heart is. You've got to change directions. Isn't that what Abraham had to do? He had to go from working out the plan on his own to he's involved in the rhema. He knows what it is. It said two chapters before and 14 years before that he believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness, but it didn't count for holiness, and holiness is being a patriot, and that's the thing that will get him strong faith. Repent to the rear march. Abraham changed direction and went back and circumcised himself. I mean, that was probably not the direction I would have taken if I had been given that choice. I'd been like, no, nah, my way's pretty good, God. Flint knife on the backside of nowhere. Sawing stuff off. No. So before you can even have, before you can believe and have faith, you've got to change direction. Now, did Abraham change direction? Yeah, the first time God came to him, he said, get up out of here and I'll show you where you're going. 
I'll take you to the land that you don't know and leave your family. He got up and started moving, so he had to change directions then, didn't he? So we got repentance number one. And he goes on for ten years with God. Then God starts to cut covenant with him, and then he believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. Well, he changed direction again, because the first direction was he's telling Pharaoh his wife is his sister. And he was pimping out his wife for cash. That's how he got rich coming out of Egypt. Repentance number two. Then he gets Hagar and goes over to her tent, and they have Ishmael. He's playing with his boy. Fourteen years goes by. God shows up. What are you doing? No, with Isaac. Repentance number three. So guess what? You don't just repent one time. You'll get off track and you've got to like, keep changing directions. In order to have strong faith, you've got to to the rear march plenty of time. Before you can get to that strong... How do you get on the highway of holiness? You turn, baby! Get... When you got your idea and your plan and you're just walking it out, right? Like we talked, that's a bunch of junk. It just messes you up. If you're just going to think up something and put your faith out there and walk this out, guess what? Jesus is going to have to yell out, To the rear march! Faith is over here. What I got is over here. The plan is over here. Not over there doing your thing. It's over here. So you're going to have to completely change your direction. that help you any? Now, does that have... Let me ask you something. Do I have to be sorry when my drill instructor said to the rear march that now I'm going this way instead of that way? Do I have to be crying and bawling and boo-hooing? It has nothing to do with what you feel like. Am I glad that I went over here and did it God's way? Yeah. How many of there's times after I did change direction and I'm going back God's way that I might feel like the other way was better? I'd be like, well, this wasn't really that good of a plan, God. I know it's yours, but I don't, you know. You want to throw me a bone here or something? Right? But that's why now I'm committed, though. Just like my craving my potato chips. Nothing's going to get in my way now because it doesn't matter what gets in my way. I'm committed to this. This is what I want because it's what God told me. I'm holiness, holiness, holiness. I'm after patriotism, whatever God's agenda is. That's my agenda now. Do you know Jesus had to do the same thing? Remember when he said in the garden, take this cup from me, not my will though, but yours. Take not my agenda, God, but your agenda. Here's Jesus. This really doesn't seem like a good idea to me, God, where I get go, you know, beaten and nailed to a cross. We got another way to do this? Yet, even if there's not another way, not my agenda, God, but your agenda, be done. Jesus had to make a, a, a choice to do God's agenda. Same with us. The first thing is, repent. and now I want to show you in the Scripture a couple, because you know here's just one Scripture where it says that repent and then believe. Everywhere in the Bible that you see repent first, it comes in order to go believe. There's only one reason to repent, and that's so you can believe and have faith. That's the only reason that you would change directions. Turn over to Acts 19. You know, and it's the very first thing that you, it's the very first act of believing. Because until you change directions and start heading towards what God said, you don't believe Him. Because if He said it's better over here and you kept going your way, how many know you don't believe that it's better over there? So the only way that you could believe that it's better over there is when you turn around to the rear march and now I'm going in that direction. Y'all, it's not some religious hoo-hoo and boo-hoo and walking on glass and crawling through coals and whipping yourself. and right, That's what a religious kind of idea of repentance is, isn't it? Look in Acts 19. We're just going to hit some verses here. Verse 4. It says, Then Paul, he said to some believers here, they didn't know about uh, the Holy Ghost. So he says, John, verily, John the Baptist, verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. And why? Why did he baptize to repentance? Saying unto the people what? That they should believe on him that would come after him, which is on Jesus Christ. The only reason he's telling people repent is so that they could believe. He's preparing their heart or He's getting them to circumcise their heart so that they can believe. That's what repentance is. We change direction. Circumcising your heart. Getting on the highway of holiness. Change direction. I'm not doing it my way anymore. I'm committed to your way, God. Whatever it is. The rhema for you be different for me. How many know He'll only give you one step at a time? Well, why would He do that? You remember, oh, Jeremiah 29. We know, we're real familiar with this. Jeremiah 29. Why would God only give you one piece of the equation at a time? 
Jeremiah 29, verse 11. This is God talking. He said, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I'll hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me when you search with me with all your heart, when you're committed. God's got plans for you. They're for really, really good and expected end. I've got plans. Kimmy and I, we have plans to take Michaela to Disney World. When? When she can handle it. I thought she could handle it, you know, this year coming up. But she went to the mall a couple weeks ago to see the Care Bears. Now, the Care Bears are not really like as big as Mickey and Goofy. They're just, you know, cuddly little Care Bears. And there's only like a couple of them. Not surrounded by them like at Disney. She was, I call them the scare bears now. Because she was afraid of them. How many know I have plans for her? Do I tell her? No. You know what? Because she'll tell me she's ready to go to Disney. Oh, yeah, Daddy, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. She wanted to go see the Care Bears. I want to see Care Bears, Care Bears, Care Bears. And then even after she was scared and came back, all she does is talk about the Care Bears, yet she wouldn't even get close to them. She couldn't handle it. That's why God only gives us a little bit at a time. He's got plans for us. Oh, they're good. I mean, Disney's a great time for her. When she had lunch with the princesses and all that. Not if she's scared, though, huh? If she can't handle it, what? Me taking her there and giving her that before she can handle it, that's a disaster. Same thing with God. He says, man, i got plans for you. They're good. Expected end. Very nice. They're not for evil. You know, Right? When do you get them? When you search with Him with your whole heart. When you crave them. When you're committed. Craving. Just like me and the potato chips or you and Oreo cookies, whatever your Oreo is. Whatever thing that you're going after that will not stop you from getting... And when we're like that with God's agenda. Now when, when will Michaela get ready to go to Disney? I don't know. She doesn't know. But eventually she'll grow up enough just by growing up it'll naturally happen that she won't be scare bears anymore. She'll go give him a hug and then she'll be ready for Disney. How many know when we go to Disney depends on her and not us? It depends on when she's ready. Now, I'm ready right now. I go right now. I'll still have a good time. So when, when God's plan, when, when is it? When, when? Does it depend on Him? No, it depends on us when we're ready. Well, how do I get ready? Well, start off by circumcising your heart Repent to the rear march. Get committed to whatever His agenda is. Right? And you've got to get off you got to get off the evil list. That's a very... Because uh, what is it? Remember over in Psalm 34? This is all the same thing with repentance about which direction you're going in. Psalm 34 in verse 16 it said, The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. But, oh, and look over here in verse 18. It says, The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Same thing with repentance. God's again, you're doing evil. You're following adversity and affliction and calamity. You've got to repent. You've got to to the rear march from that and put evil at your back because God's at your back the other way. Now I'm going towards God. Remember when James 4 said, Draw near unto God and He'll do what? Right. And I know, so here's the very first one, that i got to turn my back on the evil list. i got to hate evil. That's the same thing as fearing God. Remember, that's how riches, honor, and life come. Fear the Lord to the rear march. If you got to, in your mind, have that mental picture of here comes adversity, here comes affliction, here comes worry, and turning your back on it, now you're on my six. See, I'm going towards God. And if you want to put a little Kramer pimp walk into it while you're going and get the little, you know, walk into do it, whatever it takes in your mind, but know that you've got to leave evil. You've got to repent. You've got to to the rear march from that. Don't you march right into it. We'll do it, though, won't we? Abraham was doing it, trying to work it, and that's what kept him in weak faith. Man, oh, Shevitz. All right, here's another one. Uh, Acts 2, or Acts 20, I'm sorry.
Y'all ain't never heard a message on repentance like this, have you? <laughs> Repent! <laughs> Going to hell! Acts 20 and verse 21. Well, we'll start in verse 20. He said, this is Paul talking, he said, And how I kept nothing back from you that was profitable. Do you see that? Anything that would help them, he didn't keep it back from them. He said, but I showed you. And I taught you publicly, and even I went from house to house. So I did it publicly, I did it privately, any way I could get it to you that it will help you, I helped you. Testifying to both Jews and the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. you see that? Repentance towards God. To the rear march towards God, now we're on track for faith. Isn't that what it just says? There's another one. So that's three references I've given you now where you repent towards faith. In order to have faith, you to the rear march. To the rear march. You've got to get off your agenda, turn it around, you turn whatever you've got to do to get back on God's agenda. Look up, and that's the same thing that it says over here in Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, leaving the principles of doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and what? Faith toward God. Now you've got to repent from dead works. You know what dead works is? You trying to work out the plan. You know why that's dead? Because it doesn't produce anything. You've got to turn from you working the numbers. Work, listen, I'm a great number cruncher. Every time the bills come in, i got the... And I'm crunching numbers. You've got to give that up. That's dead works. If you're doing God's plan, He's obligated Himself to make sure the numbers work. Even when they don't work naturally. He's got to. Look over in Luke 24. This is a Luke's version of the Great Commission. Y'all remember that? Go ye into all the world. Right? The Great Commission. Here's the Great Commission in Luke 24. And verse 46. And Jesus said unto them, Thus it is written, It thus behooved Christ to suffer and raise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you're witnesses of these things. Now let's look at that. Repentance is what? To the rear march. Right? And remission of sins. That's a religious word for saying freedom from settling. To the rear march. In Jesus' name, we, man, we turn our back on settling, and now we're free from settling, and we can enjoy everything that God has for us. Hit the center of the target. Riches, honor, and life. How do we get to the center of the target? Turn our back on settling. It's all ways you circumcise your heart. And it all starts out really turning your back on all the junk that the world's offering you and all that thinking, that traditional thinking, that cultural thinking on how it should be done. It's man's system. You've got to turn your back on man. Because if you work in man's system, is that the kingdom of God? Is that God's domain? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, the domain of God. We want to seek that one first. Then all the stuff is added to us. But if we seek to get all that stuff while we're out in the world's domain, who's the God of this world? Satan. People be like, oh, the sovereignty of God. Only in His kingdom? If you operate in any other kingdom than God's, He ain't sovereign. Just like any other king. Right? And God's not, He's got that executive order too where He can't assassinate you know, a head of state from another country. God's not in the habit of killing folks over, you know, just because, well, I don't like that guy. He doesn't do it. Oh, really? Oh, you know, he doesn't? No. Look over in 2 Peter. Second Peter 3 and verse 9. He said... The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. But what? That all should come to what? Repentance. God's plan is that nobody... Because if you don't turn around, 
to the rear march. I'm back on God's plan. I'm on what His agenda is, and I'm in His kingdom under His domain. If I don't do that, then you what? Die. Now, is He talking about you're not going to heaven? Who's He writing this to? Look in verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I write unto you now. So who's He writing to? Yeah, the church, the beloved. He man, I don't want... These are people that have already repented one time, right, in order to believe that Jesus was the sacrifice for their sin. They got born again. These are folks that are born again. Their spirit's alive unto God. Yeah, he says, man, I don't want you to perish. God doesn't want anybody. No, He wants... Man, you turn around from that, seek first the kingdom of God, all that stuff will be added unto you. That's the heart. God don't want anybody to die. Not a one person, not one. He don't want to kill nobody. So anybody that tells you, you can just quote this right anytime. Well, the Lord needed another flower in heaven. Really? But what does this say? That God's not willing that any should die. Parrot. Not any. 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 Not any. You can, there's nowhere where death happened that it's on God's agenda. Anywhere on the planet. He said, well, no, his agenda is that nobody would die, but that everybody would to the rear march and head for his kingdom. Because when you enter in the gates of his kingdom, that's where he has domain, and what's his agenda there? What's his will? What's his decree? Riches, honor, and life. That's what he wants. That's, in his domain, that's what you get. If you're not getting that, take an assessment. Am I inside the gates of the kingdom, or am I in some other world system? If you're operating in the world system you're not going to get God's will. You're not going to have His agenda because you're not there where He has dominion. Y'all following that? It's hard, isn't it? Because we live in the world, yet we're not of the world. Your thinking will be so different. Man, it won't take you about three seconds to hear somebody talk and be like, ugh! You know why? Because they're in the world system. And you, in that area that you just heard them talking and went, uh to you, you're not in the world system. If there's an area where you hear them talking and you jump right in and you're comfortable with it in the world system, you need to repent to the rear march in that area. How I many know? Because you could be on, not on the world system on healing, but be on the world system in finances or in relationships or in anything. Where are you getting your advice from? Where are we getting our advice from? Who's our counsel? Because if you want the agenda of God, then you're going to listen to His counsel, wouldn't you? His advice? Because we want to be in His kingdom where He has domain and we know that He wants riches, honor, and life and none should perish. That's a good spot to be. But if we're not getting our advice from Him, we're getting our advice from somebody in the world, where do they get their advice from? Because who's the God of this world? And a lot of Christians, most Christians, they're not like in the kingdom of God. They're not in holiness. They're not inside the domain. How do you know? Just look at their life. You know, we have this idea that um, this is how God wants us to repent. He'll just beat us down. Like he's got a big bug smacker ready to swatch you every time you screw up. Is that how God, is that his character? Yeah. Turn to Romans 2. I'll give you Scripture to show you that the way God get, leads people to repentance is the good list. Romans 2 and verse 4. Now he starts in the middle of a question. He's saying, how can you despise the riches of God's goodness? You know what despise is? Deem it's not worthy of your attention. You blow it off. How can you blow off the riches of His goodness. He said, and the forbearance or the self-restraint that God has. I'm so glad God restrains Himself. Well, especially when I sass Him. I mean, no, that'd be a hard mouth smack coming from heaven. Wham! Oh! Right? And long-suffering. He refuses to give up on you. He's not knowing. How can you blow all that off? Not, don't you know that the goodness of God is what leads to repentance? So God is like... All the good stuff, all the riches. He's like, here, over here. It's good, 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 over here, good. It's never on beating you down with a bug smacker because you screwed up. His whole plan is, it's really good over here. Come over this way. 
to the rear march over here. Not, you better turn around right now. Or I'm going to beat you down. See, that's what we think God's doing if we don't repent. That's not what he's saying. He said, man, God is so good over here. If it, you know what's so good over there. And you know over here it's not that good. Wouldn't you turn around and go over there? This is just so easy, but we make it so hard. The world gets this. If you got a little hot dog stand with cockroaches in it, or you got a five-star restaurant, and the meals are both paid for, which one are you going to go to? Are you going to feel sorry because you left the hot dog guy, and you're sitting down at a five-star restaurant? The meals are both paid for. It's not costing you anything. Well, which one would you pick? Which one would the world pick? They get it. Let's say we're, you know, you're going over here, and someone yells out, you're going to the hot dog stand. Yeah, this looks good. Hey, we got free food over here at the five star. Nah, it's all right. I like the hot dog. Well, that's just stupid. That's what we do when we refuse to turn around and get on holiness and get, become patriots and get on God's agenda. Look over here in Hebrews uh, 12. You know, we have a biblical example of that. People doing just that. Let's start in verse 14 and we'll get down a couple verses. That's where I want to get. We'll get a running head start. Hebrews 12 and 14 says this, Pursue peace with all manner of means and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Uh-oh. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up to you and trouble you and thereby you may be defiled. I don't have time to get on that today. I wanted to, but we're not. We'll get to it later. Lest there be any fornication or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Y'all remember that story? He was hungry. I want some of that soup, Jacob. Give me your birthright. Okay, the birthright won't do me any good, you know, because I'm so hungry. He sold God's agenda for something natural. So it was God's agenda. Israel hadn't been named yet. He was the firstborn. It was his, he was the covenant keeper. It was his rightful spot. That's God's agenda for his life. He despised that. And that's not worthy of my attention. What's worthy of my attention is this natural thing right now, provision. How many know that bowl of soup it was gone in like ten minutes? He changed his eternity for ten minutes worth of soup. Circumstances. But what happened? Well, he could just repent and come back, you know, because God's merciful. Verse 17. For you know that afterward, how afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was what? Rejected. Rejected. And he found no place of, even though he sought it carefully with tears. Selah. Think about that. He absolutely, positively refused God's agenda for his own thing, his stomach at the time. But it could be whatever, and it was a natural. He refused God's agenda for his own natural agenda. He was feeding his body. Then he was sorry later. And then he wanted to, to the rear march. But guess what? There was nowhere for him to turn around and go back. He was off the cliff. You ever seen those cartoons where Roadrunner, he's out there, and they, or you know, Coyote, and he's trying to get back to the cliff? Turned around. To the rear march, he had no place of repentance. But did he seek it carefully? Yeah, you ever seen Coyote? Oh, he's scrapping for the edge, baby. Whoa, please come to the edge. No, there was no place for him. Be very careful when you refuse to do God's agenda. Was Esau still a covenant kid? Yeah, he was in the covenant, wasn't he? Abraham, Isaac. He was in that line, wasn't he? Stopped right there. Nobody else in the line. We never heard from him again. Did he, you know, did he ever get to where he was getting riches, honor, and life? No, he was just off the planet. Wasn't long. We never heard from him or his, his uh, you know, offspring again. See, here's the, here's the whole, here's the danger of it. See, God, man, with goodness, I'm asking you, begging you, come on, it's so good over here, five-star restaurant. Be like, no, nah, I want my hot dog. And then you eat the hot dog and be like, man, that wasn't any good. Sure would like to go over there and you turn around, but you're off the cliff. You have no place to turn around and go back. Even though you want it carefully with tears, it's gone. 
I mean, and that's when sorrow comes in. That's remorse, not repentance. Repentance is I'm turning around. Now when I'm going down, whoa, now I'm sorry. Yeah, has nothing to do with repentance. That has nothing to do with I turned around. He couldn't find a place to turn around. I know, but I look at people, I know people that they've been in the ministry for a long time. I'm thinking of one guy way back when where he decided that speaking in tongues and being filled with the Holy Ghost, that wasn't from God. And off he went. And the further he got from that decision, the further off over here in the left field he got, and there was no life to it. You know, if he wanted to repent right now, he couldn't. He couldn't turn around and go back now because he'd have to go back and undo the rest of his life to get back to that point. So when you make a choice, we'll make, people will make choices and then they'll start on that path. I mean, the only way to get back, you, you can't just cut over now because what's repentance? To the rear march. Do you following this? You can't make a left turn and try and meet up with God's agenda over here. The further you keep going down your own path, the longer it is to come back before you can get to the spot to get back on God's path. And don't wait till you're 50, 60, 70, 80, or 90, because by that time, it's a long way back. You ain't got 90 years to come back and then get back on God's plan. God doesn't give you another set of right. He don't give you any more if you didn't obey the last one. You've got to backtrack and pick it up. To the rear. It's not column left or column right. It's to the rear march. That's what repentance is. You following that? Now, on Friday we started talking about this because a question came up about without holiness no man shall see the Lord. I said, I don't really like talking about that, but then, you know, last night God said, oh no, you're going to talk about it. <laughs> so I don't, I'm like, all right, well, you know, because it's not my plan, right? Not my agenda, I'm on God's agenda. Okay, so I wanted to turn... Because there was some question about that. And how, but this fits in with this whole repentance in Esau. Because Esau was still a covenant guy. He was in the covenant. He was born in the covenant. Okay? So, once we're born again, but then we go, you know, on our own agenda, and we refuse the rhema, and there we go, and maybe 60 years down, does that mean we're not born again? We're not on holiness. It says no man shall see the Lord. Does that mean I'm not, you know, I'm not going to heaven? No, you're going. But how many know heaven ain't the same for everybody? Heaven's not the same for everybody. How you act here on the planet, how you comport yourself here with the covenant, carries over when you get to heaven. Turn over to Revelation. We'll look at the very end. We'll start in verse uh, or chapter 20. I'm going to tell you why God told me I need to tell you this is because you know, I am interested in what's going on in my life and in your life and how do we get our bills paid and how do we stay healthy and how do we have good relationships. He said there's a much bigger deal than that's temporary things. He said, yeah, we want to do that and you have that here on the... But the people need to know that at the end that there's, there's a big deal too with how you act here is what happens with how you, your station in life when you get there. Revelation 20 and verse 14. It said, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire and this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of Zoe, the book of life, was cast in the lake of fire. This is after the great white throne judgment. So everybody that wasn't born again, they're already in hell and in the lake of fire. It's over. The thousand years, you know, millennium, you heard that, right? Satan's loose to get... That's all done. The only people that are left now are the born again ones. Copy? Mm-hmm. Follow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alright. Verse, yeah, chapter 21, verse 1. He said, and this is John, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned to her husband. Who's the bride? Now, read it. And I, John, saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Who's the bride? Okay. I know, let's clear that up. There's nowhere in the Bible where that you know that term bride of Christ. It doesn't exist. The bride of the Lamb is not the church. How could he be marrying himself? If he's the head and we're the body, how could he marry himself? The bride of the Lamb is the New Jerusalem coming down. I'll say, and it'll get clearer here in a minute. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, "Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men." And He will dwell with them. They shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. 
Now watch, here is what it's going to look like. This is everybody that's born again. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall neither be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? No more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. Does that mean you're rich? Does that mean you're an authority? Does that mean you're ruling and reigning? Does that mean you're winning? No. I mean, you could not have pain and not be rich. You could not have sorrow and lose. You know, a lot of Olympians, the Olympic athletes, only the contenders get upset when they don't win. There's a lot of people that are just happy to be there. Talking about heaven now. Only the contenders are upset when they don't win. A lot of people that haven't been on holiness, they won't win. They're not going to be in a position of authority. And remember when it said, without holiness you won't even see the Lord? They won't even see Him. Planet Earth now, it's a big planet. When was the last time you saw President Bush in person there, Karen? You got access to his uh, throne room, the Oval Office? How many people have access to that? Just a few. The people on his agenda, wouldn't you think? The ones that are committed to his agenda are the ones that have access to him, don't they? The ones that no matter what, they'll even ollie north themselves. In fact, those are the ones that will be having access, won't they? In verse 5, And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words, for they're true and faithful. And he said, it is, it is done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I'll be his God. He shall be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all the liars, they have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So what did he say? Just what I told you at chapter 20? All them people is gone. There ain't none of them here. If they weren't in the book of life, they're already in hell. And which got thrown into the lake of fire, second death is over. So none of those folks are here. Okay? You follow that? Alright. So then there came to me one of seven angels, which had seven vials full of the last seven plagues. And he talked with me, saying, Come here and I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me... Who? Who's he going to show us? The bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the great city. Oh, what? The holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. Who's the lamb's wife? The heavenly city, Jerusalem. Having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. It had a wall great and high. And I'm not going to go through all that because it's all the really cool stuff. You know, heaven's 1,500 miles square cube and it's all gold and, oh, pretty, it's, you know, okay, you get it, right? We don't have time, though. Verse 22. And I saw no temple there. Do you all remember from Glory, Ground Zero, right? I saw no temple there. For God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city has no need of sun nor moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it and the Lamb did lighten it thereof. And the nations of them which are saved. So how many folks are going to be around? A lot. Nations of people. The nations of them that are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth, kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor in it. So I know this, that there's going to be nations and that there's going to be kings in charge of those nations. Isn't that what it just said? And they're going to have glory, which means wealth, entourage, commerce, Man, we're not just going to sit around playing harps. There's business to be done. And it's a new earth. I mean, that one probably got even better gold and better oil to be get pulled out of. And We're not just going to sit around and go, oh, and eat Twinkies and strum harps and wear white robes and float on clouds. And the gates of this holy city, remember they're going to bring their glory and their honor into it, and the gates, in verse 25, shall not be shut at all by day, nor there will be no night. And they shall bring in the glory and the honor of all the nations into it. You all remember glory, right? And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth or is unclean. Uh Uh-oh. 
Here's our first clue. God hadn't called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. And without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Where's the throne? In the city. You want to see the Lord, you've got to come in the city. But nobody that's unclean... Now remember, this isn't talking about people that ain't born again. This is talking about people that were born again, part of the covenant, yet lived their life in uncleanness. Don't get to come in the city. They have no access. Wouldn't that stink? Neither whatsoever that works abomination, which is something that's disgusting, or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And verse uh, 1 of chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne room of God and the Lamb. And in the middle of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was a tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits, and one yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face. And His name shall be written on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. This is people that were in holiness on the planet. And I'll spell it out here even clearer here in a minute. But I want you to understand that, that the people that did holiness here, they're the ones that reign there. They have access to the throne. They rule the nations. They have glory. They have honor. They have wealth. They have entourage. Yeah, nobody will have pain and sorrow. That's great. That's neutral. That doesn't mean you're winning. That just means you ain't losing. You're a participant. In verse 6, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must be done shortly. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and I heard them. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And he said unto me, See that you don't do it. I'm your fellow servant. I'm one of the brethren prophets, prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of this prophecy of the book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. This is Jesus talking, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. Do you know what our works are? Now we've repented from dead works to faith. What is faith? What is the works of faith? Because without faith, remember without works, faith is dead. You know what that word is in the Greek? Acts of obedience. Here's our work. Acts of obedience. How does Jesus reward us? According to our acts of obedience. When I hear and do the rhema. When I kept His commandments. Remember that this is the love of God in 1 John 5? That we keep His commandments? His rhema. This is the people that are having access. This is the people that are coming into the gates. People that kept His rhema. I mean, that's holiness. That's being a patriot. When you hear and then you do. He said, I'm the Alpha and Omega in verse 13, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments. Say Rhema. And what happens to those folks? That they have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. You get a free pass to come in and out of the city. The Lamb's bride. What about those that don't? For without. Now remember, everybody that's not born again is already in the lake of fire. Outside the city gates are dogs. It says sorcerers. It means drug abusers in the Greek, pharmakias. And whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and keeps a lie. It says maketh, but in the Greek it says keeps a lie. Now, I know none of that can happen in heaven, right? Who's he talking? He's talking about on earth, the people that kept my commandments get to come in. The people that don't get to come in are the people on earth that did this. They lived like dogs. They were lived like drug abusers. They lived like whoremongers. They lived like murderers. Now remember in 1 John 3.16 or 15 it said, Whosoever less than loves his brother is a murderer. Boy, that's a lot of people in the body of Christ that aren't good to go in the gates. Whosoever is an idolater, 
Remember what idolatry is? There's not one Christian praying to Buddha. It's people that put anything in front of God. That's uncleanness because it's not holiness. Holiness is I put God in front of everything. Idolatry is, no, I set up whatever little thing that I think is bigger than it. Some people might be the rheumatoid arthritis. Well, I got arthritis. You know, I can't do nothing about it. Really? By Jesus' stripes, you're healed. When you say that that has more power than the Word of God, you're an idolater because you've set that thing up higher than God. Well, my checkbook's empty. I know, you know, by, you know, Jesus came poor so I could be rich, but, you know, that's just how it is. Really? You're an idolater. You set the power of your empty checkbook up over the Word. That's just stupid. An empty checkbook you set up as a higher power have more authority in your life than the Word of God. So you're an idolater. Guess what? Those folks, they don't get to come in the city. Because without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And whosoever loves and keeps a lie. Remember what a lie is? Anything that's not the truth. Can facts be a lie? Yeah, even the world gets that. You can watch CSI. They always have all these facts, but it leads them to the wrong conclusion half the time. Right till the last ten minutes of the show. You always know that this, this one's going to be a lie because it's like, you know, before the first commercial break. Well, that ain't that guy that did it. And then it ain't that guy that did it. You know, we've still got 45 more minutes. Right? If you don't keep the truth, what's the truth? Truth is rhema. You don't want to keep that? You're not coming in the gates. I mean, no, you know, heaven's really not that great of a place anymore, is it? For us to just oh, hang on and press on and hold on. And then sweep by and by when we get there. No, he made you a king and a priest now. And listen, we have access to the throne now. People that have access to the throne now and blow it off, they despise it. Like Esau despised, it wasn't worthy of his attention. Esau despised his birthright. They're going to look for a place of repentance and it won't be found. And when they get to heaven, they're going to try and repent and have access to the throne. Which they have right now, but they blow it off. To the level you take advantage of throne access now, it'll be the level that you have it when you get there. You know, there's some people that get a once-in-a-lifetime meeting with President Bush. Right? A lot of people have a once-in-a-lifetime meeting with God in the throne room here on the planet. How many eternities a long time to just get one meeting? You spend a lot of time in there, he's going to be used to having you coming around. You know, hanging around the throne room. You'll have access. The more you're in there, the you, it's like, you know, I used to say in, in Capitol Police all the time, once you get real estate, don't give it up. Right? If I walk into a room where I'm not supposed to be, if I'm there for more than five minutes, I'm supposed to be there. Because anybody that comes in after me, I was there first, even if I'm not authorized. Same with the throne. You're there so much in the throne room that people be like, oh yeah, he's supposed to be there. He was there when I came in. Angels be like, well, when did Cheryl get here? Has she been there when I said I came? I guess she's supposed to be there then. <laughs> you understand? This is just, it's just that simple. But we think that we could just live however we're going to and just barely, you know, and well, when we get to heaven, yeah, there won't be any tears, there won't be any pain, and that'll be great. However, I still don't want some, you know, other person being king over me, and I want to be able to have access to the throne. I want to go in and talk to God. If that's who I talk to now, I wouldn't want to go through some other knucklehead in eternity. Do you? No! Wait a minute. Wait, before you mean I had Jesus living on the inside of me. I could just talk to Jesus and Father anytime I wanted, but now I can't. Now that we're in heaven, I can't. Isn't that what this says? Don't waste your shot. You got about 70, 80 years of access to the throne. Don't waste it. Now, and now here's the verse for me because I was blowing this all off, and this is when God took me to this verse, and He said, And I, Jesus, in verse 16, have sent mine angels to testify unto you these things in the church. I said, well, see, God, you can just send an angel and testify. He said, do angels say, testify? Who are the witnesses? I said, we are. He said, look up the word angels. It's the word pastors. He said, I sent my pastors in the church to testify to this. It's the last thing that Jesus said in the Bible before He said, surely I come quickly. He said, I sent pastors to testify to you these things in the churches. You ever heard that testified in the churches before? Me either. You know why? Because there's probably a bunch of guys like me going, I don't want to talk about that. I don't need to talk about that. It had nothing to do with me right now. God said, oh yeah, it does. Because how you act right now affects how and what your station in life is going to be when you get there. So without holiness, you won't see me. Physically, not see him face to face. Wouldn't that just be lame? 
all these people that are punching their religious ticket and no one ever taught them you know, how to be the difference between committed and involved. And then you get there after all this time you were punching your ticket and you did Sunday school and you did, you know, you didn't cuss, drink, smoke, or chew out with those who do and I was at church every time the doors open and you don't even get to see them once you get there, physically lay eyes on them. What kind of junk is that? I'd be finding me that pastor. I'd be, you know, searching the, uh, you know, internet, finding out what nation he'd be living on. No, we can't kill him. I'm, you know, my... TP his house and throw eggs at him or something. I know it won't hurt him, but, you know. Do you understand? I mean, there, there, there is a payoff to this. Not just in this life, but in the next one. So if you just got to hold on and press on, you know, the next time one of your religious friends tells you that, hey, yeah, well, you won't even be getting in the gates, man. You hold on and press on all you want, you'll be at, you, you know, I'll send you photos of the Capitol. Here's me at the throne! Right? Postcards. Have a t-shirt, you know. Right, exactly. The wish you were here thing, yeah. You know, my cousin went to the throne of God and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Right? I mean, you know. Amen. Hallelujah. Is that enough? That's enough. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word sealed in our hearts. Fathers, we all we just make a conscious decision to to the rear march every time we get off course, head right back to you, to your covenant, to your agenda, not our agenda, not our will, but yours, Father. Holy Spirit, help us day by day in real time as life comes at us fast that you help us stay on that path. And let us know when we start to get off it that we need to turn around and go back the other way. Thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen.